So, Happy New Year's. Happy New Year, Tom. <laughs> Happy New Year, Andrew. Yeah. We both, um, we both were pretty sober over the New Year, right? Yeah, I mean, I drank a bit. Uh, yeah, I had, a bit of I had a bit of champagne. But not too much. But, mm. um, but I got drunk on television. Oh, um, right. Mm. My, my wife and, and children went to bed and, and I just, you know. Right. That was my exciting New Year. Right. We had like we had so much nice weather over the last week, but last yesterday, like the whole island was engulfed in in um, what is it in smoke and and fog and fog is it, and oh. so you, you, you couldn't see uh, your your hand before your eyes. You know, it was like and to see like just this flashes of people like doing fireworks and it was it was quite funny. Oh, interesting. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you uh, so you guys you you wrote an article. Uh, yeah, I wrote an article Tantra, called Tantra, Trunkpa, Trunkpa and Booze. Yeah, yeah. Poison yeah. and non-duality. So Poison and non-duality. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And yeah. We, we thought of going through it today and, and, and trying to riff off yes. some, of the, some of the themes uh, I brought up. So okay. I'm going to read the first paragraph. So it is and... available on Parallax. That's, mm. uh, um, that's to be said, no? Of, yeah, where else would it be available? The greatest, <laughs> the greatest newspaper, the greatest podcast in the world. Right. Of course, it's available. All right, Andrew. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, tell me everything about tantra, poison, and alcohol. Then. So, I'll read the first paragraph, and you can comment. So, tantra right. is an alchemical path in which the body is considered the alchemical chamber, the nexus of transformation. The transmutation of poisonous lead into pure gold is the central metaphor of alchemy. Through the heat of sulfur and the cooling of mercury, for centuries, alchemists tried to create the perfect substance, the philosopher's stone. An alchemical dictum is, in filth, it will be found. The valuable metaphor here is that you take what is most base, poisonous, dangerous, and transform it into the most valuable metal. I'll read the next paragraph. Oh, right. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait, wait. Okay, because that's, there. A, that's already so, so much in there. Because... You know, okay, so poisonous lead and pure gold. This is obviously, you know, because we're talking about alchemy, mm -hmm. it's not just about transforming the actual uh, metals. It's about, it's a, it's a symbolism. Because as far as I understand it, alchemy is the transformation of the, of the self or the soul through some quasi-chemical practices. Do I get that right? Uh, yes. I mean, yes and no. I mean, the alch alchemists failed, right? They, they never managed to create actual material gold. And many of them were trying to do that. Right. But there was also a whole, let's say, culture around that, which had its religious metaphors, uh, etc. So the metaphors have remained with us, you know, through works of Jung and, and various, and, and, you know, in the esoteric um, Western uh, traditions. Yeah. So, so the idea is, you know, in filth, you know, in the lowest place with the basest material, the, the worst of us, the, you know, which is uh, the worst, the, the poison um, is like the lead. Right. And this is transformed into, let's say, enlightenment. Yeah. In the pure metaphor, in the metaphorical sense. Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Like that the pure yeah. gold is something like the deep or the true self. And the poisonous lead is, you know, it's, you know, our debauchery and our, you know, the, the behavior from the superficial array of, you know, of our, of our, of our character. Yeah. I wouldn't say true self necessarily, at right. least not from no, the Because you're the Buddhist. Yeah. I, I, I would, because there is no self, but right from the Buddhist perspective, because I'm right. writing from the Buddhist perspective. So I wouldn't right. say true self, but often self with a capital S Yeah, uh, is not actually the personal self or the ego, right? Uh, it, you know, the Jung doesn't describe self in terms of uh, it's it's capital S. Yeah. So it's it's what is connected to the divine. I think, and the, I think you know uh, the al alchemical dictum you mentioned. It's mm -hmm. it's actually called vitriol. And vitriol. Ah, oh, right. It, yeah, yes. because it's like a it's like this uh, anagram. No, it's like this. Vitriol, uh, visit the interior of the earth, and then the filth you feel we found find gold or something like this. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a Latin translation. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. So go ahead. Mm -hmm. So in tantric ritual, alcohol and meat are consumed as sacraments. Drinking alcohol symbolizes the intoxication of duality. 
eating meat, the transmutation of death into deathlessness, since meat is literally corpse. The poisons of alcohol and meat represent our stupidity, dullness, and base desires, what are called the three uh, poisons of passion, aggression, and ignorance. Okay, so like uh, passion, passion is a poison in Buddhism or what? Yeah, passion, aggression, and ignorance are called, well, it's are called the three poisons in Sutrianic Buddhism. Yeah. Right. And in tantric Buddhism, you know, passion is is, is aggression and ignorance are transformed into something kind of wonderful. Or so you would say that uh, we don't throw them away. Right. We use Because them. like passion, aggression, and ignorance, these are the three gods of of our of our culture. Aren't yes, they? indeed, exactly. The three so, gods of our culture. I mean, uh, I'm so, thinking about the Kardashians, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> they sort of represent the extremes of, let's say, what we're capable of human beings, right? Uh, you know, um, and what we kind of, I mean, if we watch TV, that's all they show on TV is passion, aggression, and ignorance, right? Yeah, that's, right. Mm -hmm. That's all you can see on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, is it passion per se, or is a, a specific kind of passion? Because I'm wondering, like, You know, even aggression just just means uh, like literally like moving forward or moving towards to to something. You know, so you know there's different forms of aggression or passion. Ignorance is just ignorance. You know. Sure. Um, well, I, yes. I mean, I, I think you know, passion is is uh, what makes us you know hu human and and it's what we are. We're made out of passion, aggression, and ignorance. Right. Know? It's the human condition. Right. So, so uh, again, it, uh, the alchemical metaphor is not moralistic. It's just telling you what is. These are the base metals. This is what we we'll work. What we we'll work. Okay. With. Mm -hmm. We work with passion, aggression, and ignorance. In the Sutriana, it has a bit of a more moralistic tone. Right. It's like you go to to be um, uh, you go to renounce those things. Yeah. Um. You know, in a monastery or something. Whereas in, in Vajrayana, you don't renounce those things per se, you renounce your stupidity, stupid view of them. Yeah. So, I mean, before we, we go on, it's like just a basic question. So you mix here Tantra, Buddhism and alchemy. Yes. So Because, well, Vajrayana is really a, 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 an alchemical path. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It, 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 the, it, although the metaphors come from Western alchemy, I think, which is, you know, I think the origins of it are, are, are diverse, but in, you know, Islamic and Christian. And, right. But it's certainly, um, but it's about transformation, right? Um, right. Transformate, transforming this. Okay. This meat. Right. Um, All right. Mm-hmm. Corporal transformation, yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to continue? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So tantric alchemy involves the transformation of these three poisons, three nectars, into a more refined substance called amrita, which means elixir of deathlessness. We transform our sense of separation, duality, alienation, meaninglessness into the dynamic bliss of non-separation, union, nowness, or mahasuka, which is the Sanskrit word for great joy. The poison of alcohol is used homeopathically to counteract ordinary poison, to turn fear, nausea, angst, and deathlessness into divine luminosity, or what has been called uh, the golden ground. Fantastic. So mm -hmm. basically alcohol is the means to enlightenment. Yeah, that's why beer is golden. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm promoting, you know, uh, <laughs> drinking here. <you> know. <laughs> All right. Okay. But it is said like homeopathically. So yes. Uh, yes. So, in what sense? It's like, well, you, you the po use the poison as a method to transform the poison, you know, into something else. Yeah, because homeopathically would inf uh, would mean that there's no alcohol or some is in there anymore because it's just the homeopathic energy structure or whatever. You don't mean that homeopathically. Well, I mean, you take the poison, like in a homeopathic remedy, right? Right. And that, that cures you of the ailment. Right. And, and, and the ailment doesn't mean that whatever it is goes away. It means it means your view of it goes away. Your, yeah. your negative view of that goes away. Yeah. Yeah. Or your, your attachment to it or your, your um, you know, your, your, the, the way in which it's making you suffer. Mm. So I guess we're trying to get rid of, you know, suffering here. Right. Okay. Through maybe a kind of, you know, using a bit of suffering to, to 
transform suffering. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I was just thinking about the amount because you know you could drink a lot to drown your sorrows. Let's say yeah. all you do is like homeopathically, where it's like it's like a, oh, a, a more homeopathic, no, like more like like a like a, a you know what what is the proper word for that? Um, you know, a more conscious and yes but we i think yeah. we get to well that i've too. seen sort of alcohol used in different ways and in, in tantric con contexts yeah there's actually some kind of tantric practice where you would get very drunk and that would be to and they, they would say to intoxicate duality you would all collectively get that that's practice and the orthodox jews uh do it as well and, and it's an actual practice that you, you might do occasionally right and there'll be another practice where um, I, you know, you, you try to remain tipsy, right? right? Like you remain on the border of, 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 uh, sobriety and drunkenness somehow on the edge. Right. That, that would be another way, um, to practice use of, of alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and it also depends right on the person, right? Um, obviously you, this is not very skillful for an alcoholic <laughs> to do right, this. Right. Um, uh, and, and, and some people are very uptight and very rigid and very puritanical, and it might be good for them to, uh, you know, have a little bit of alcohol. Uh, other people are already really, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, spaced. So, yeah, so yeah, alcohol yeah. might not be very useful for them. Uh, yeah. Well, and it also depends on the kind of alcohol, you know, because you also, know, there, yeah. there, there are certain rules of of alcohol drinking i mean like if you mm -hmm. want if you want to have a, a nice uh, 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 like a big party you you drink you drink tequila you know if you mm -hmm. if you if you want to uh, dig to the truth in a conversation you drink vodka you know if you if you <laughs> want yeah. to, no no it's true but yeah. if you want yeah. to calm down you drink brandy you know yeah. and, and so the there are certain rules uh when and what and with whom you should drink alcohol and this is like coded in a lot of spiritual or religious traditions you know of course um you know i'm not a big alcohol drinker so i you know i didn't go into the depth of of, of that really right but I, I i i think that's absolutely true and i think that um what's interesting is yes it's a contextual thing too right yeah if you have to create a container around alcohol if you just drink alcohol right it doesn't doesn't really lead anywhere usually in, you know in a lot of people's experience right you just get if you go in and get a bit of get drunk yeah i mean i'm not judging that experience but it ends up kind of chaotically and you just pass out and yeah. whereas if you drink at a dinner table with with friends um you, you tend to have a good nice time right right <laughs> a good experience right um so there's a context there for drinking right. right um if you're in a happy mood and you drink it's probably okay if you're in a depressed mood and you drink it's just going to make you more depressed right often not always you know it's it's, it's tricky but I think I think the point is that we need these ritual containers around alcohol in some kind of way. And yes, we can meditate on 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 the the effects, for example, of you know whiskey compared to um, to beer. You know, beer. I, it seems like beer makes people aggressive and shouting at each other. And you know, I, I drink a bit of red wine at dinner time, and it kind of subdues things a bit. And yeah, yeah. So. I've read somewhere that alcohol in itself is a depressant. And so it's like, even if you have a good time, uh, you have to have your balances in check uh, and your, your inner immune system, let's say, not to feel somewhat de uh, depressed the morning after. You know, because it has something with yeah. to do with serotonin, I think. Mm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I read about in the art, art article is, is alcohol brings us down. Right. Right. You know, uh, if you smoke a pot or something, this brings you up into space or, yeah, or, yeah. or, or, or LSD. It's, it's, it's an up drug. Yeah. Whereas, whereas uh, alcohol is a down drug. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, so again, um, this is why it's used by, I wrote about this uh, by yogis who are very up. So, so one of the, one of the ways they can come down, you know, in order to right. communicate with people is, is to drink, drink alcohol, which is like the opposite of how we drink. Right. Um, they, they're drinking to become sober, <laughs> which is uh, from, kind of, from kind their of spiritual intoxication or what you mean? Yes. They're spiritually right. intoxicated. So they, they would drink alcohol to become more grounded and down to earth and more yeah, yeah, sober. I, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we're getting to this in your article. Let's, yeah, let's, let's yeah, move we are. on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, 
On a more mundane level, alcohol breaks down our barriers of fear, inhibition, and restraint. It allows the social mask and persona to dissolve. It creates warmth and fearlessness between people, but it can also open up a Pandora's box of demons. When we invite somebody for a drink, as Jogam Trumpa points out, this is different from inviting them to tea. Uh, a drink is an invitation to bliss, experiment, and potential chaos. Here is a quote from Trumpa from his book, The Heart of the Buddha. And I based a lot of this article on um, a chapter in this book, yeah. page 150. So in the Guryam Samja Tantra, Buddha says, that which intoxicates the dualistic mind is the natural anti-death poison indeed. In the Buddhist Tantra, alcohol is used to catalyze the fundamental energy of intoxication. This is the energy that transmutes the duality of the apparent world in Advaita, not two. In this way, form, smell, and sound can be perceived literally as they are within the realm of Mahasuka or great joy. So translate that. Well, so the realm of Mahasuka or great joy is the realm of non-duality, right? There's no filter there's no intellectual filter between you and the experience right so this alcohol we we we, we grasp that in alcohol right we lose our, we lose our inhibition our, our we lose our, our mental filter or and we have this direct experience of whatever sexuality or you know or uh passion or you know all the or or you know aggression right uh, all this come, comes out in alcohol in a, in a direct way, which so makes it dangerous, but it, also it intoxicates also, the dual, uh, dualistic mind, you know? Yes, therefore. exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. It intoxicates the, the dualistic mind, which is our, our the mind that is is sort of trapped in, in the conceptual realm. Right. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, give me a sec, because I, I, I had another thing. Yeah, you, do, uh, you, uh, uh, you wrote a drink is an invitation to bliss experiment and potential chaos. So, yeah, know, the yeah. chaos is the interesting thing here. Because yes, indeed. Yeah. Not, not only in our own, like, say, cognitive realm, but also like, you know, to, you know, entice social settings, you know, bring, bring uh, you know, rip open what may lie underneath or create new circumstances and new bonds, let's say. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. yeah, get new information. You know? Right. Because we get we are trapped in our mechanical modes of being. Right. You know, we go to work, we, we behave in a certain way, we talk to people in a certain way. Um, and this becomes very stifling after a while. The social realm becomes kind of... And so that's just, then the, we become, we feel very mechanical about right. our lives. So we go to a party to break apart that... Um, that box that we're, we're living in, right. you know, and, and then bring in new information, which yep. brings, of course it brings chaos and it brings uh, surprising things to the surface about a person. Yeah. You might find yourself attracted to somebody that, you know, you, you, you didn't know you were attracted to, or, you know, in a way it, it opens up the unconsciousness, right? You might find yourself considering adultery or, or, or you, or you might find yourself having a fantastic conversation with somebody who you didn't like before. Or, right. You know, it turns, it, 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 it it's, it's kind of like, I have this image of, you know, uh, when you, you mix all the, uh, all the um, numbers up in, in for, for gambling, you kind of throw everything up in the air and, and new arrangements appear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 while you were talking, I had to think of Jim Morrison, you know, because he was mm -hmm. like kind of the shaman, but he was, he, his, you know, the drug of choice was alcohol, yeah. you know, because I had, I, I, I think that he needed that to create chaos, create some new settings, you know, mm -hmm. to, to rip off the, um, Re well, the reality well, tunnel of the of the audience you know so many literary types of people you can you can you can you can you can you know joyce hemingway faulkner um you, you name it there's right. there's probably about hundreds of them out there you know the way they did it was through alcohol Bukowski, that is um, so which is unfortunate uh, you know beckett I, yeah i could keep naming people but right um there's a destructive aspect to that and there's a destructive aspect to art 
something has to be destroyed for something did you ever, to emerge. Did you ever try that actually, like to write something uh, while while uh, uh, drinking alcohol? Well, I, I don't. Again, I'm not. A, I'm not a drinker, but I, I know that Faulkner he used to just drink a little bit while he was while he was writing. Again, to to probably loosen the mind a bit. Yeah, yeah, no, because because for creative well, writing. But if you drink too much, you, you you know maybe you can get it all out there, and then after you can edit. But it, I guess it shuts down the editor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In your mind, exactly. No, That's, because normally I don't do that. You know, I hate yeah, that, especially no, if I'm. Me neither. You know, but uh, I I went through a, a um, you know a relationship breakup. Uh, you know, a year ago, more a little bit more than a year ago, and mm -hmm. so what I did was. You know, just to, you know, you know, I was working all day and then, you know, uh, opening a bottle of wine. It was like at eight in the evening. And then I was just writing for six hours till it was like two or three in the night. And and, you know, to get it out of my system, let's say, like I, I wanted to write a novel. And so within like six weeks or four weeks, I, I, I basically wrote a book. And it was not a good book, but, you know, it's like the alcohol. That was the first time that I tried that. The mm -hmm. alcohol really helped me to um, write unfiltered in a kind of consistent way. Um, and, you know, a bottle of wine. Right. I mean, if you're writing an analytical that. philosophy, it wouldn't work, would it? But well, exactly. if, you're, if you're writing exactly. with your emotions, yes. I, I guess alcohol helps you access your emotions sometimes right. and become a bit more fearless. Right. Uh, and, and, and confronting those things. Yeah. Know. And consistent, you know, it's like, uh -huh. you're not, you're not, you, you, you find, you find a consistent voice in writing, you know, and that's, um, yes, you're not because like when you normally write without alcohol, so you edit and then you write and then you somehow lose the consistency of your voice. I don't know if you know that feeling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so because it's like okay you have this henry miller inside of you and then you have faulkner inside of you and dostoevsky and it's like it's 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 not a it's not a whole thing you know but yeah. if you drink a little bit of alcohol suddenly it it yeah matters. it's like i was saying the personas fall away exactly yes uh-huh uh -huh. and um and uh you know which you have to be prepared for that because that can be like <laughs> that can be devastating right right Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, on a, uh, wait. Uh, da, da, da. Okay, Trumpa. I was talking about Trumpa. Yeah, Trumpa yeah. drank a lot to under, underestimate the case. On New Year's Day, he would drink a whole bottle of gin in one slug and declare, "Let the day be gin." <laughs> Trumpa drank all the time, uh, but in my opinion, you can decide for yourself. He was not an ordinary drunk. Trumpa was a spiritual and artistic genius, whereas ordinary drunks are profoundly destructive and stupid and do nothing but destroy life. Okay, is that a true story or? or... Yeah, that's a true story. I've heard a lot of stories because I used to practice within that that uh, community. Um, uh, a lot of stories about him and drinking. Yeah, like a whole bottle of gin in one slug. That's you know. I've that's... seen I've seen I've seen somebody drink a whole bottle of uh, uh, rum in one slug and become sober, like I mentioned before. In other words, this person was acting kind of weird and pretty crazy, and then drank a whole bottle of um, alcohol and then became very lucid and articulate and and clear in his mind. And mm -hmm. I've seen that. Because that per per particular person was high on other drugs and needed to come down. Or no, no, okay. okay. That person was just a, a, a wild kind of person, um, and uh, and use and this was and, and he was the kind of person who knows how to use alcohol in a yogic. Oh right, uh, okay. In a yogic manner, so so uh, so that's what he did. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And and so, but Trumpa is is a classic example of somebody like that because, yeah. you know, um, I mean, people are very moralistic about him. And, yeah and, and stuff but uh but you just have to look at his works and, and i mean you there, can... were, there were a lot of buddhists uh uh um you know famous buddhist masters who were famous for being there's another one oh shit what was his name again like like these drunk masters you know that kind of in japan there's 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 a there's a sort of you know a genre of crazy wisdom yeah drink sake sake yeah 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 you know, also in India. Mm -hmm. mm, I, yeah, but I always forget those names. Anyhow, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay. So incidentally, alcohol is not the only poison that is used in Tantra. If we look at the literature of crazy wisdom people, we can find some yogis from Tibet who would consume actual poisons, including mercury and snake venom, for various esoteric reasons. 
Whether we believe these stories is up to us, but we can grok the metaphorical truth. By taking a drop of poison, we create resistance and immunity. Right. The central metaphor of Tantra is the scorpion sting. The idea is to use pain and neurosis to invite the scorpion sting and therefore develop a quality of power and fearlessness. We swallow po poison and death ritually to become fearlessness. Uh, not a recommended activity, of course. Right. Mm. Right. I mean, it's not only alcohol, it's soma, it's mushrooms, it's... Yes, you know, it's all, sure. You know. Mm -hmm. But alcohol is like, again, it's like a base poison, I think. And all yeah. these other ones are more, are different. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, it suits the alchemical metaphor of lead, right? Right. It's a poison. It's a, you know, I don't know if you, what you would describe mushrooms as, if they were be a, described as no, no, it's a, a it's kind a of poison no, no, no. as well. But. I, no, be, no, because you just said uh, it's not the only poison that is used in Tantra. Mm -hmm, you know, it's mm -hmm, like... Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't know if in what sense you mean poison, if you mean like actual poison. Or, well, that's what I mean. It's a me firstly metaphorical, right? You start right. with the metaphor right. of these things. Like we talk about the scorpion sting and it, yeah. it's, a, it's a metaphor for, it could be a metaphor for falling in love or something. You get bitten by somebody, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and you have this, this so it could, be, it could be a metaphor for desire. It can be metaphor. This is metaphorical, right? Not literal. Um, and then in some very rare cases, it might, it may be fully literal. Right. Okay. So now we're getting to the meat of things, drinking alcohol to get sober. Yeah. So alcohol has an earthly quality. It has been said that advanced, uh, that the advanced yogi high on various states of bliss drinks alcohol to get sober, to come down to earth. Trumpa again. For the conscious drinker or for the yogi, the virtue of alcohol is that it brings one down to ordinary reality, that it does not dissolve into meditation on non-duality. In this case, alcohol acts as a longevity potion. Those who are overtly evolved with this sense that the world is a mirage, an illusion, have to be brought down out of their meditation into a state of non-meditation to relate to people. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk about this. Because... The one thing that strikes me the most is the conscious drinker. Yeah. What is a conscious drinker, Andrew? Well, um, you know, I, I can't do this. So again, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not speaking from expertise. I'm just speaking. I'm just giving you information here. But the idea is that you keep the thread of awareness through whatever experience happens while you drink alcohol. Right. So uh, Gertchev uh, talked about self remembrance. Um, and he was very extreme in this sense. He would try to create as many different states as possible, including having a car accident. And he would try to keep the thread of consciousness through, through actual death. Right. Uh, that was the idea. Uh -huh. But, and, and the drinking was, was sort of a, a, you know, one version of that. So Gurdjieff would get all the students together and they would drink and he would try to practice awareness Right. Of yourself, right? Uh, Self-awareness and of the context you're in as you're drinking. Instead of usually what happens when we drink, we just lose ourselves. We just, right. you know, fall into this stupor. Right. So there, this is a kind of, this is, a, this is, this was a particular practice that, that Gurdjieff talk, talked about, um, you know, and for, I guess, the really advanced yogi, um, this would be to become, become more sober. But for most of us, conscious drinking, what we could do is we could drink and then we could just come back to awareness of ourselves and come back to awareness of the context we're in while we're drinking. Right. Just like in meditation, you come back to your breath. Exactly. So you mentioned meditation because, you know, the, the thing which is interesting to me is that when you do a, you know, a, a, a long meditation like ours, so you have like this pain, right? Mm -hmm. You have different kinds of pain. You have emotional pain. You have, yeah. uh, you know, you, uh, you have pain in the body because your leg hurts or your back hurts or whatever. And so you're always, you know, um, you're always in the situation where you uh, can't let it touch you in a certain way. You know, it, uh, you, it can't overwhelm you, the pain mm -hmm. or the boredom or whatever happens. Whatever yeah. demon shows up, it can't, it can't take you over, right? And so a lot of practice of meditation is like to stay aware in, in the, in the face of pain and boredom. And, and so yeah. in that yeah. way, that practice is very similar to 
to drink because you know you're invoking you're playing with a demon let's say indeed you know? yeah. um but but uh he can't uh bring you out of the of your, out of your equilibrium you know yeah, you have right. to exactly you have to keep your equilibrium at least to a certain extent are you going to fall over are they going to you know put yes. you in the drunk tank or yes yeah exactly and so yeah. i and so it's like the game is lost when you're drunk Yeah, right. When you get really drunk, yeah, the game's lost. You, you have no more control. Right, right. You know, if you're if you're tipsy enough that you're you're in this state of kind of like fearless bliss <laughs> for a while, that 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 works very really well. But what usually happens is, yeah, you go into a stupor or you black out or, or you get aggressive or, or or you say something which you regret in the morning, and because right. you've lost that thread of consciousness. Right. I mean, it's like, again, with the meditation, with the pain, because pain has some adverse effects and some, let's say, positive uh, aspects. And actually, you have to use the positive aspects of pain to break through some form of um, ec ecstasy, right? And so well, with, a, with, a, with the alcohol, it's the same. There are some negative aspects of it and some positive, but as long as you stay uh, conscious and aware, You can mm -hmm. use the positive aspects of those, you know, what you have described before in your article, but you don't fall victim to the, you know, to the drunk stupor and to the to the dumbness and to the to the passionate aggression, you know. Exactly. The, you know, so yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. And we usually do, you know, it's it's tricky business. It's hard to do, right? No, but that's um, because it's a spiritual technique. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, yes. that's. What, So okay. Yes. And I would probably say it's pretty advanced spiritual technique, you know. Right. I would to be out because I like, you know, I've been meditating for years. And if I if I start to drink a bit of wine, it's, it's very hard for me to keep the thread of awareness. I can keep the thread of awareness on an ordinary level. No, well, Andrew, that's your you know, general problem. <laughs> yes, that's my general problem. But I, keeping the thread of awareness on an ordinary level is different than self-remembrance, right? <laughs> it's just, you know, I can I can go go to a party and have a good time and right. still be me, but 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 keeping the thread of awareness, that's one level, that's one level deeper than just being you know not falling over <laughs> right yeah yeah okay <laughs> yeah so uh so should i continue yeah please go but ahead. naturally the ordinary this is continuing the quote of trumpa but naturally the ordinary drinker who tries to compete or imitate this transcendental style of drinking will turn his alcohol into poison in the hinayana teachings of buddhism it is recorded that the buddha reproved a monk who so much as tasted a blade of grass soaked in alcohol it is necessary to understand that the buddha was not condemning the effects of alcohol he was condemning the attraction towards it the involvement with it as a temptation yeah that's what we're just talking about it, it mm. is yeah. Yeah. yeah and again there's the sutrianic aspect which is which is renunciation and that's very important like like i've done that i've lived in a monastery and and, and um uh you know we weren't allowed to drink alcohol we weren't allowed to eat drink eat garlic We weren't allowed to. Um, Why? What's what's with garlic? To sing and dance. We, it was well, garlic excites the passions, right? Oh, okay. Garlic is a bit of an aphrodisiac. It also, if you live in a monastic community, it, it kind of has a strong smell to it. Oh, right. Mm. So, if this was pure vegetarian, um, you know, this was in Trumpa's monastery. The same guy who, who he was very, he wanted everybody to follow the, these these rules, the sutranic rules, in a very strict manner so so yeah. uh so so um yeah i don't think i think we i think we if, if we just jumped into alcohol then we're, we're in trouble right right if we just jump into tantra uh without a sutric base without a base of consciousness a base of you know a, a strong body and mind and able to handle these these um emotions and uh of passion aggression and ignorance then then we're we're kind of we won't be able to do it it will, it will destroy I mean, us i mean i mean i know that tantra is a whole body of of ethics and worldviews you know but if you just yeah. even if you just take the layman's understanding of it just like as conscious sex yeah you right know? Mm -hmm. so it's because it's the same problem you can you can fall victim to sexuality and then you're just fucking you know and it's, yeah. it's probably not not very good fucking you know it's like you don't know what you're doing you know it's like uh it's the you, same thing yeah. Yeah, yeah it's the same thing as conscious drinking it would be conscious sex wouldn't it? yeah, yeah exactly mm -hmm. 
and, and conscious sex would be you would not be victim to this overwhelming orgasm right right, right. Uh, 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 you would you would you would learn to to bring your consciousness back so that you wouldn't um, you know come every time and and uh, and then just be you know flattened right it really is it seems it's, it, it seems to me almost the exact same um, principle just a different mo modality of it yeah 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 it's, it's a different it's a different demon different yeah exactly sexuality but it's still a demon a, you know it's a different demon mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. agreed yeah okay so i wrote obviously the tantric way of drinking is different from getting shit-faced at an office party our use of alcohol is not very enlightened in the culture to say the least as a teenager in canada we used to poison ourselves by trying to drink 24 cans of cheap chemical beer all at once we would inevitably puke and then try to make our way home without slipping on the ice or falling asleep on a snowbank, a not uncommon form of death for Canadian teenagers. Oh, well. mm -hmm. So I'd like put a little personal anecdote in there. <laughs> you know what? I, this is what I, I'm trying to say is that it's like the way people use alcohol in this society is pretty <laughs> barbaric and stupid, right? Yeah. Norm normally, the normal use of alcohol. Not the celebratory festive use of alcohol, but I think you find that in every country that you, you know, every... especially teenagers who, yeah, you know, who try to test them out and you know wrestle with that thing. Yeah, maybe I'll read the next chapter because sure. then we can probably comment on uh, yeah, the next yeah, yeah. paragraph. We could comment on a bit more. This is not a very enlightened use of alcohol. Obviously, the point was to become as crazy, stupid, and unconscious as possible. Perhaps doing ecstasy at a rave is a cultural improvement. On the other hand, young people today have no re religious ritual, no sacred temple, no rites of passage. So they invent their own pseudo-tantric pseudo rituals to break out of the straitjacket of Puritan culture and protest the status quo. It is their misguided way of coming to terms with death and the absolute. Fantastic, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I just, it's just this thing that, you know, these tantric principles kind of are exist in reality, you know, and, and people kind of approach them, but often we're not trained or, or understand how to, how to approach them properly. Right. So, so there's, so, you know, um, yeah, I think alcohol is, and, and that, that kind of thing is often, often used as young people uh, in that, that kind of way. Right. There's like that makes this, sense. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, do do you know that video? It's a it's a um, documentary about some tribe in the Amazonian. I don't know why these tribes are always in the Amazonian, but you know the story always begins like this. And so they have like these rites of passage, where you know the young boys who want to become men and not just stay boys, they have to put on these gloves on their hands, right? And in, within these gloves are like these these super uh, these big bees are like put into it like mm -hmm. 30 30 and like like one sting of a bee is like painful as, as you know, something like uh, similar to breaking your own leg and so wow they're like that's like the dune uh, scene, yeah yeah 20 it? 20 uh, 30 like bees in, in each glove and so and then they have to dance and they have to endure the pain and they have to go through all of this and they are helped by the elders and by the other people of the tribe, but they have to deal with that kind of pain. And they, they, they do it not only once, but I think like eight or nine times in the course of a month or so, right? And so, you know, you have to go through this rite of passage to become something else, to become a valuable member of, our, of, our, of, of their society. And, you know, we don't have that anymore, you know, it's like yes. for better or worse, but, you know, because that kind of pain uh, has to be endured, you know. And you you said right that that was the challenge of Paul Moore Deep and Dune, you know. Mm -hmm. And we talked with um, Alex Ebert, who was who was a kind of uh, popular musician, um, or he, he still is. He's kind of a rock star. But he said that he, um, when he was younger, uh, he kind of was brought up in a well-to-do bourgeois California family, and I think it was California. I'm sorry, yeah. Alex, if I'm misinterpreting your story, but. Uh, but he became a heroin addict. Um, and, and he said the reason he did that was was kind of like, it was like an unconscious way of experiencing that kind of death, you know, spiritual death. Right. 
that you need to experience to become a, an adult or a man. And because there wasn't that in his culture, right. this is why he became a, a, an addict, a heroin addict. And then, you know, he went to rehab and got over it. But right. um, this is often, you know, often people will, because it's so built into us. But it's also, right. Andrew, it's also a little bit of a cliche, isn't it? <laughs> Sure, it's a cliche, but it's but it's but it's common. It's yes. yeah, yes, it's it's right. it's it's um, it's, you know, and this is why all young people are sort of you know all these young by everybody dies at age twenty six is is that's the age where you go and and you um, you you try to flirt with with death and the absolute right, right. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 okay. Um, so conscious or yogic drinking is a bit more sophisticated than added adolescent rebellion and ordinary drug use, however. In Tantra, the status quo to rebel against is our own ego structure and social conditioning, our own banal desires, fixations, and ordinary thinking. In fact, one of the goals of a major tantric practice called deity yoga is to realize that nothing is ordinary. In other words, to transcend the status quo completely. This does not mean to be antisocial. We could do this in the midst of ordinary life without needing to put a show or do anything outrageous. Alcohol is not necessary, but serves as a metaphor here. All right. Okay. So let's, let's, um, yeah. So the ordinary, let me think of this because, you know, I, I was saying this, you know, without the cliche, uh, about this cliche, like being tongue in cheek a little bit, but the point is, the, 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 the question I want to ask is like one, when is a rite of passage is authentic and when it is not? Because like think of people like like Russell Brand. You know, I, I love him to bits. He's great. I love his videos. But, you know, his, his uh, 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 rite of passage, his own uh, heroin addiction, right? It seems yeah. also like, like a cliche book because that's what successful young males in the media industry who are like flirting with the death cult like Alajim Morrison are doing right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. where do you, uh, where is the rite of passage is becoming authentic and when is it just a gesture or like, a, you know, like a thing is that it you, just something you do because it's fashionable or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> a kind so, of a fashion, so a when fashion it, statement. Yeah, it's because you say, in Tantra, the status quo is uh, to rebel against your own ego structure and social conditioning. And so, like, when is the rite of passage actually against the ego structure and social conditioning? And when does it foster them or is a result of this? Because, yeah. like, because it's just like it, it's just so chic to be like a heroin addict, you know? Yeah, that's that's. Um... That is the question, I think. I think here, and 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 that's a very a very important is to distinguish between those two views, right? Right. So, so when we're talking about what I call what what is called deity yoga practice, this is something that you would do, uh, you know, after a lot of training beforehand, and uh, um, you know, uh, and then you would you would visualize yourself. Uh, this is, you know, this is a, a, called Maha Yoga. In tantric practice you would visualize yourself as the deity to the point where you would look and walk in the mirror and you would look at yourself and you wouldn't recognize yourself because because you used to visualizing yourself as a deity so yeah. you would this is a, this is a you know difficult practice that is very almost impossible and, and very few people succeed at actually doing um and it's it's it's, it's a, tra a complete transformation of your your perception right um from from the idea that there's anything ordinary at all to the idea that everything is 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 I don't know super ordinary or um, not you know or everything is is not ordinary <laughs> right so so but this is not the same thing as 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 acting like a clown and being a fucked up person in your adolescence and taking drugs and going to the Burning Man festival and right you know this kind of fashionable sort of pseudo tantra no it's not that right mm -hmm. uh, but even if if that has echoes of of Tantra in it, um, it's usually lacking the foundations, which exactly. is being a bit, maybe I'm being a bit conservative here, you know, I'm being kind of, you know, traditionalist here, but I think you need the foundations of Sutra, right? Before you can practice Tantra, which is what everybody says. Right. So if you don't have those foundations, you're just flailing around. Right. Yeah. You have no ways of distinguishing if you're, if you're enabling ego structure or deconstructing them. Right. You don't have enough 
consciousness or or um, right. And so awareness. I'm always like suspicious. You know, I'm I'm always suspicious of those people, be it like gurus or whatever, who uh, have like this kind of uh, attitude or you know this kind of flair. You know, it's like, okay, is it is it is it is it really comparable to like putting gloves on your hand eight times a month, where like one bee sting is uh, similar to like breaking your leg? Well, you I can tell like you about mm -hmm. nundra practice, which is what you do before you do deity practice, which is you 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 do you bow down one hundred thousand and eleven times, you throw yourself on the ground, right. Uh, you know, and, and it, it, it hurts and it's, it's, uh, you do, you know, you could do a thousand a day and it's almost like, and yeah, it hurts your body physically, uh, but it also brings up intense emotions. Right. Uh, and, and, and pain and all your neurosis. And so it's very, it, it is like that. Yeah. Right. And you do have to go through that, but it's also very beautiful and fun. And you know, there's both going on. It's not just, uh, it's not just some sort of masochism. Right. Okay, so before we go to conscious drinking, let, let's read the whole passage of other poisons, if you don't mind. Yeah, okay. In my experience, serious meditators don't use psychedelics much. There are exceptions, of course. On the other hand, doses of psilocybin and MDA may seem to be very effective in treating depression and other psychological illnesses. So perhaps we are becoming more intelligent without use of psychedelics as medicine and therapy instead of as transcendental junk food. Um, on a spiritual level, psychedelics may be useful to get a glimpse of transcendental states, but they are not good teachers. George Harrison has said that you only need to do LSD once, which makes sense to me, having done it more than once. Admittedly, Trumpa calls LSD super samsara. Here is another quote to illustrate this point. Yeah. Go ahead. So this might be a little yeah. bit unfashionable to say in, in when, you know, we're talking about the psychedelic renaissance and all that. Yeah. And I think people are getting better at using psychedelics, but I don't think it's like, I don't think of psychedelics as a sustainable practice um, that you can do for a long time. I think no. of them as a useful kind of, you know, thing to shift your co consciousness um, uh, on occasion. Right. And many, many people, many people, you know, the psychonauts will disagree with me here. But. Yeah, same thing. You know, is it ego structure? Is it attitude? Mm -hmm. Or is it, is it, uh, you know, uh, uh, is it breaking? Is it open? Uh, does it create an opening in your, in your, in your shell? Yeah. Because like, like, like LSD or DMT or ayahuasca, it's very good in opening the shell, let's yeah. say, of uh, but if it's when it's open, then it's open. Exactly. That's why uh, Harrison, I like his quote when he said that he did it many times, but he said he only needed to do it once because he just opened the opened the shell. And it's good to have that maybe that glimpse, right, yeah. um, of the non-dual world. But on the other hand, yes, people keep wanting to get that hit over and over and over and over again. And then... The, 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 so the, then the, the, the phantasmical world that the LSD opens up just becomes another banal, ordinary uh, kind, kind of experience. It's yeah. not a gr grounded, um, uh, uh, it's not a grounded state. Right. So that, could, you know, and, and this is the, I was thinking about this and I was thinking there's not, you know, LSD, yes, it was kind of creative for the Beatles in the 60s and, and stuff. But for, for, for real genius and creativity, I think, yes, it opens up something, but I don't think... That, that it that it sustains genius or creativity. I don't think there's been very many examples of 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 um, you know artistic people who did well. I'm wrong here. Probably I'm wrong. So I don't know. Maybe this is just a bias. But but on the other hand, we find it's funny. We find a lot of alcoholics who are great artistic the, the, the geniuses. The what? The, the what? We find a lot of alcoholics who are great artistic geniuses, and I yeah, I, I mean, why, I, why that is. What's the, what's the guy's name uh, that who wrote *Fear and Loathing* in Las Vegas? Um, Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. So so he there's this famous famous uh, drug list that he gave mm -hmm. uh, his uh, assistant, and so he was about to wake up, you know, at eleven, and then he uh, was to be served like a like a packet of of, of smokes and a, and a whiskey, and then he had some he needed some uh, you know. Uh, uh, hashish and then he needed some uh, cocaine and more alcohol so he, he was bringing himself to a point when it was like 
six in the uh, in the evening, where, yeah. where he was so hammered uh, that he actually could write for eight hours. You know, and <laughs> I don't know, but the the thing is yeah. that there was Not no MSD. Um, there was no LSD. Uh -huh. No, in, yeah. in that in that cocktail that he that he needed to be creative. You mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can't be creative on LSD at all. At all. It's too overwhelming an experience. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's just not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but but again, I think Trump Trump's idea that you know uh, you know uh, alcohol brings us down, right into the body, and yeah. you know, your body has to feel alcohol like you have a hangover. Or you, whereas these other drugs sort of detach you from reality and bring you into the, you know into the ether so to yes, speak yes um but that's one of the reasons is, is if you have if you're being a really genuine creative person you have to be grounded right um and also you have to face that that human darkness and that's part of it um, yeah yeah again i don't want to romanticize some of that. It's just, oh, go ahead romanticize drinking, andrew drinking at all because no. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. it's but hmm. Go ahead. So this is the quote from Trump. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. a great difference between alcohol and other inebriants. In contrast with alcohol, such substances as LSD, marijuana, and opium do not bring simultaneous depression. If depression does occur, does occur, it is of a purely conceptual nature. But with alcohol, there are always physical symptoms, weight gain, loss of appetite, increased uh, feeling of solidity, which includes hangovers. There is always a sense that one still has a body. Psychologically, intoxicating, intoxication with alcohol is a process of coming down rather than, as with other substances, of going up into space. Right. So it's almost he's saying as depression here is a positive um, thing in the sense yeah. that, that we have to feel our pain, I guess, or, or you know, Dante's Inferno was all about, I guess, a mid-age, middle-age crisis yeah. going under, into the underworld and... Um, yeah, but that's what was I what what I uh, what uh, I was saying that alcohol is a de depressant. Yes. So, yeah. Um, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So Trumpa didn't like his students going up into space and wanted them to relate to their ordinary corp corp corporeal experience. He instructed his community of hippie, hippie students to get a job and stop smoking weed. On the other hand, quite a few became alcoholics, imitating his behavior, which was quite unfortunate. But let's not be moralistic about uh, Trumpa's drinking. Instead, judge him by its works. After all, many of our greatest literary artists, like James Joyce, William Faulkner, and Charles Bukowski, to name a few, were also drunkards. Joyce, we was, tried... a, Joyce, Joyce was a drunkard? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, he was. He, he insisted on being an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really? If we try to imitate them, we will just be dogs trying to be lions, which is just pathetic. Heavy drinking mostly just destroys lives. I probably should have um, footnoted that because that's a quote from uh, the 16th Karmapa, who was Trumpa's teacher, and he was watching all of Trumpa's students, oh, you know, well. kind of imitating him and you know, like being being very imitative, yeah, and uh, and saying that it's like dogs trying to be lions. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah, so I guess the point here is just. Is just um, you don't imitate crazy wisdom artists or masters or or whatever. Imitation is is kind of a is will lead to you know your own destruction, you know. Um, right. Mm -hmm. But it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because like imitation is duality. If you drink alcohol, according to what you what you wrote yourself, you know, it's deconstructing the 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 duality so is it yeah. just is it just an uh, uh, um, imitation or you know is it well you know I, is that i guess imitation is the process also yeah but i guess trumpa as being a guru as a lot of people would try to imitate him uh and and this form of imitation is 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 you know considered very dangerous because well, you could judge, maybe you think that he was just a, I mean, anybody could think what they want. People could have the view that he was, you know, just an ordinary drunk or something. And, and which I don't think is true, but, um, but, but I did, I did see in that community people behaving like him, which felt very inauthentic. 
Yeah, but that's not because of the alcohol. It's because you can't imitate a, a guru, a true guru. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like every gesture you do will be just a copy because like if you are actually enlightened or guru or whatever you what you, you want to use, there's something uh, authentic uh, coming forth and that yeah. may take take the shape of uh, drinking alcohol or, you know, doing uh, whatever, but you can't imitate that. Yeah, no, you I mean, you can mimic it. that, but it will be it will not be authentic. Yes, exactly. Well, that that's maybe the definition of this kind of master is a person who is beyond imitation on some on some level. Right. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, because exactly. we are all imitating things because we're all in duality and we all, you know, um, you know, copy things. But then the real authenticity is when is when that mimetic process kind of falls apart and there's just pure spontaneous spontaneity but it's not again it's not the ordinary hippie spontaneity um it's the enlightened spontaneity which is the world's difference yeah no it's like it's like i, I mean uh, you know i i like to use the word the concept of opacity you know there's some mm -hmm. always something opaque in the in, in the true master mm -hmm. you know it's, it's it's not you can't mimic him yeah because there's you know it's it's uh, it's a cult to use another yeah, word. Yeah, when, when you start to imitate, then it becomes cultish. Exactly right. No, no, but I said um, occult. occult in oh, a, you in said a, occult. Okay. You no, know, it's occult in the, in the sense that it's uh, half of it, it's in the darkness. Yes. You know, half of it, it's in the light, and you can mimic that's what in the light, but you need the, the darkness to make it whole. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, well, I, uh, half, just half, the, I would say like, more like, 1% of it is in the light and, or not even, and, and, <laughs> but sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. Go ahead. Okay. Alcohol is the primary poison of our society. It is the cause of most violent crimes, car accidents, suicides, etc. In France, where I live and where we love wine, one in 10 people destroy their lives and others by becoming alcoholics. Alcohol as a lifestyle makes us stupid, aggressive, depressive, fat, ugly, and ruins lives everywhere. No wonder Islam bans alcohol. And for, and for indigenous people, this has been uh, especially destructive. Right? Yeah. I traveled around Canada and I saw these little communities which are of, of, of native people and just saw how that <laughs> kind, yeah. of, kind of how, how devastating, you know, yeah. the, the alcohol was in, in those communities. Because they, unlike in European culture where we've been drinking alcohol for centuries, they, they had no maybe they had no resistance or immunity and, and to, to that experience so they couldn't handle it i mean it is the primary poison of a society that would it's be the primary poison of our would society. be like a whole different um you know podcast to ask why but you know i was you know just uh, uh on a short note it's like i was like talking with a friend yesterday about this uh, and, you know, it's like the, the advent of patriarchy, you know, 12,000 years ago co co is, is, you know, uh, happened at the same time the climate got more uh, stable and the people could actually, um, you know, uh, create crop and create alcohol. So alcohol and patriarchy yes. and beer and that, that all belongs the civilization to developed around beer. Uh, I've heard that yeah. as a theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because you had to sit around and wait for the alcohol to ferment. Exactly, um, and so, so there was not, and so there was like a sanitary lifestyle, and there was uh, there was not enough clean water, and the people mm -hmm. started to drink alcohol, like that is beer, because it was uh, it it was not poisoned in that sense. Yeah, you know, so that it was actually like a form of um, uh, liquid that you could drink to sustain yourself, and it was yeah. not that supercharged alcohol we have now. But it was, you know, it is so deeply ingrained, like the same thing with coffee and with, with tabak, I, I would say. No? Yeah, I would, I, mm. it might be interesting to talk about coffee at one point, because I yeah. never really thought about that. Right. Um, and thought about how, how coffee affects people. I, I tend to drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. But, um, but, it, but that's, it's a, it's, a, it's a stronger intoxicant than we think. Right. Um, and more addictive form and has more of an effect probably than we think and we might look back in history and just like you know in the 19th centuries in england people drank alcohol all the time because there was no clean water or uh it was safe yeah. i don't know what what how how our drug of the time might be coffee now right um, i was also thinking this this was also i thought i had is that 
Um, because we have so much TV shows and entertainment and that kind of thing, we don't need alcohol as much anymore, right? Right. Um, we can get drunk on a Netflix series, so you don't need to go to get drunk on alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, because I think and, it I, and I wonder if TV is replacing alcohol. Yeah. Or or, or or internet is replacing alcohol as a primary, you know, intoxicant. I think I've read that somewhere that that your point is valid. That you know, the uh, with alcohol and television, all the same parts of the brain are addressed. Whereas uh, the problem, that's why you also can get rid of that. But you know, the point is that if you if you get a if you become like a real heroin addict, it changes your brain structure, and mm -hmm. you get you get physically sick if you. Uh, if you want to get rid of it, you know, and so mm -hmm, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a different kind of. Um... Well, I mean, you can have, a, again, I, I think you can have a television hangover. No, of course. Binge yes. watch these series, just like yeah. you could have a food hangover. Yeah, yeah. You know, from eating a lot of sugar or you, you, there's different hangovers that, but we don't really talk about that because it's such a normal, it's such a normalized thing. Right. But we don't really talk about the fact is that we get intoxicated, we get drunk on all kinds of things, you know, all day long, uh, uh, normally. Right. And it's probably why meditation is so necessary in our culture, because we need to step out of that super saturation. Right. Um, um, so we need to meditate to be sane, I think. Right. And do we, uh, we are mostly halfway through through the article. But we already did a little bit more than an hour. So I was wondering if you want to continue or we should just, you know, leave it like that. And uh, we'll uh, link to the to the article so that people can read it when we when we do this thing. Sure, we can we can do that. Yeah. Is yeah. there anything anything I just anything in the article that I wanted to? No, I think I think we've got the main point. Maybe maybe we could just the last thing is we could talk about Gurdjieff and and conscious drinking. Right. Um, and the science of idiotism, which I think right. is kind of interesting. Um, I don't have to read it. We could just talk about it. So Gurdjieff, well, I'll read this. I'll read this one last paragraph and then we'll, we'll close. How about right, that? Right, right. Are you good with that? Yeah, sure. Great. Okay. To work with alcohol, the eccentric mystic George Gurdjieff created rituals of what he called conscious drinking. The idea is that when we drink, we could keep awareness of the whole process of the initial elation, excitement, blackout, uh, hangover, etc. If we could keep conscious during all the vicissitudes of drunkenness, uh, we would be a very good meditator. This is very difficult, however, and of course, nobody should imitate Gurdjieff and Trumpa or model the behavior um, um, or model their behavior on holy fools or crazy wisdom masters who use unconventional behavior like drunkenness to hold a mirror to our own deranged states. Gurdjieff called this holding a mirror the science of idiotism. Alcohol, more often than not, will reveal the inner hmm. idiot. Um, do you know about idiotism? No. Uh, well, Gurdjieff had had these toasts. He would toast, and there was like 20 different kinds of idiots. So he would toast the enlightened idiot, uh, or the he had all these weird words like the zigzag idiot. All right. Uh, the this the and they were just I guess forms of neurotic personas. All right. And he would toast them, and and he said this was an ancient practice. I don't know if he was telling the truth or not, or just making that up, but mm -hmm. he said it was this kind of ancient practice where you toast the idiotism and he, every, every person is, is a certain kind of idiot. And he, he said, I'm this kind of idiot. You know, I don't I remember what number 19 or something in the list oh, really? of 20 different kinds of idiots. Yeah. And you would, you would toast the idiots. Um, and I think this is like very interesting, I think, because, because I think this is really our human condition. We're all kind of, we have our neurotic persona um and, and then drinking brings that out in people it brings out their idiots it's like it's like with like voice dialogue uh, but with idiots or what maybe something like that and there was a whole dance around it where you would you would you would manifest that in dance Interesting. like like mm -hmm. uh, in a kind of theatrical way oh wow um um and no i think it's, it's and i think this really relates to our, 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 uh, our discussion on alcohol, because I think that, that, that alcohol really brings up the idiot. Wow, people, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, I've, then, I've, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, go ahead. No, I've read a lot from, from Gurdjieff, but I never, maybe I forgot about it, but I, there's a link to, uh, to yeah, it yeah. In, the, in the article. Yeah. Uh, yeah science yeah, of I, idiotism. Interesting. Okay. Toast yeah. And then in the rest of the article, I just mentioned that, 
you know, there's, there's, there's always th that these kind of, um, you know, that all of these different cultures like um, have some kind of ritual of intoxication, you know, Dionysian rituals. Right. And if we don't have a conscious version of that, um, you know, it becomes parties, raves, political rallies. I say like we become drunk on ideology. We become drunk on our, we could become drunk on moral purity, on feeling like we're pure. We could become drunk on, you know, scapegoating or canceling people. And we're just creating more idiotism instead. Yeah, of... more and more idiotism. We just right. more and more. Um, we, we could be we're drunk on an image or an idea, or this is why the drunken. It's, it's worth thinking about. Right. Um, and, and then when we drink, we invite. You said demons, but we also invite, invite the angelic. We invite both, right? We avoid, and, and so something interesting and beautiful could happen, or something destructive and dangerous could, could happen. I mean, it's like the the thing that the theme that runs through it, the river. Let's say it's like uh, you can you can be an idiot or you can integrate idiotism. You know, it's right? Like it's, yeah, it's, again, it's a bit like integrating your shadow, isn't it? Right, right, yeah. right. Because you mm -hmm. can't get rid of you know dualistic thinking or you know your your own insufficiencies, but you can you can you you can be aware of it. You can you can, you can integrate it, but you don't need to you know, create even, even more. And that's what our culture is all about. It's like ever an ever increasing amount of different kinds of idiots, you know? Right. And, idiots. Uh, exactly. And, and the problem with those kind of idiots is they're not conscious of their own idiotism. Right. Right. Uh -huh. And so they're just, they're just enacting out their idiotism on a very unconscious uh, level. Right. Um, which is what the profound thing of this idiotism is, is like, it's, it's not like, it's like every part of ourselves, you know, we could use in an alchemical sense, right? right. Um, to become, to transmute into gold. Yeah. Um, and that's the idea of the, the alchemical metaphor, but mostly we're just not doing that. Fantastic, Andrew. Thank you for going so arduous to, uh, so, so uh, what's the, what's the English word? So precise through your article that was fun yeah, that was fun that was yes. great yes okay so yeah uh, i think we have it you know enjoy the first day of the new year yeah and i'm putting out my articles on on, on a Substack thread which people can can subscribe to right. soon and i've got a something called spiritual book parallel yeah spiritual i wanted to book ask you that's Club. tomorrow isn't it? that's coming up not tomorrow it's coming um january 9th all right okay mm -hmm. And every Sunday we'll go through, uh, I don't have the book with me, we'll go through different different texts and have discussions. Um, and the texts are usually non-dual texts or mystical texts or texts that I find, you know, interesting on, on that level. Fantastic, Andrew. Looking forward to this. Cool. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> Talk <Thanks>. soon. <laughs>